0: Shura, the Music Explorers Podcast. All right, welcome to Seishura, the Music Explorers Podcast. I'm Jim Jam. I'm Scoot Magoo. And uh, today we have, I don't know, I, how are we even going to talk about this? I, basically, we uh, we convened a few weeks ago... Uh, I think it was about some sort of, um, I think it was something about Pitchfork, right? No, 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 it, it was, um, uh, we, we were talking about some friends, uh, and sort of their own listening habits, um, and I, I think we just kind of segued, you know, and just kind of went completely off the rails, like we normally do, until we landed on this idea of, uh, sort of what we're calling, like, a state of music address, um, where... Basically, I think we're going to do this, try to do this every year now. I don't know why not. Um, We basically just talk about the previous year in music uh, from a couple of different viewpoints and just sort of see where that conversation takes us. Um, It's not meant to be, you know, some sort of judgment or what have you. It's more just an overview, just talking about what's been going on and sort of... um, why it's been going on, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, and just sort of, you know, uh, just taking it from there. Um, who knows where this will go? Uh, well, I kind of do, because uh, <laughs> uh, we are basically dividing everything into three main categories. Uh, we'll sort of move on from them when we feel we've exhausted the conversation, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, right now, the topics are um, so. For the year of 2019, um, basically the streaming and music consumption, just the changes that have happened within those two fields, Um, music media, as in, you know, news about music, and trends within the actual music itself. Uh, So we sort of have like this fixture in, around, about music. Uh, I don't know why I'm saying all this, this seems very redundant. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh but yeah let, let's just let's just get right into it i i think you know it probably be easiest let, let, let's go from the outside in so uh let's talk about music media because i i i think this is probably the most hot button topic for us uh more, more than any other of these topics <laughs> just because and i'm, I'm just going to come out and say it i i, I think music media just keeps lowering the bar on quality every year um but i will say that it's not because of it like it's it's not like it's its own fault i think that there are just uh fewer and fewer avenues for music media to take or just even media in general but i think let's just focus on music just just i think because of social media and sort of an increasingly um Unnecessary market basically for music media, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, and I think the main reason for it is I guess the main utility of music media has really faded away at this point. I mean, we're going to talk about music consumption later, yeah. Uh, You know, streaming is obviously going to be at the heart of that. I mean, you know, back in the day, Rolling Stone was, you know, or, or you know, magazines like that that was where people found new music you know obviously you had the radio and whatnot, but for like that specific niche of you know rock and kind of underground music at the time um, you know you read Rolling Stone that's where you saw album reviews that's where you know you couldn't necessarily unless you had a record store that had a uh, a turntable you could put you know put out headphones listen to an album at a time or whatever mm-hmm. you know you kind of had to base it off of people whose opinions you trust that you trusted um, so I think over time uh it's it's they've had to change how they analyze music, and obviously you know all these places that you could name still, um, you know, put out album reviews, and they still you know put thought in their analysis and whatnot. But especially when you look at year end lists and the type of artists they cover and whatnot, uh, you know, I've mentioned I've mentioned before the movement you know is kind of colloquially called you know Poptimism, mm-hmm. that over over time just the focus of um, the focus has been more so on finding that that sweet spot right that sweet spot between you know something that isn't too poppy you know like for example they're not gonna uh well I mean I guess you could argue that Ariana Grande I was literally thinking the exact same thing um but you know they you're not gonna see I don't know like Halsey or something like that like like a a current really like just mainstream pop artist because the Ariana Grande has I don't know who decided it but she has some kind of middling Street appeal, cred. which I don't yeah. really see it, but whatever. I think the best example of this in action has to be Billie Eilish from <laughs> I, the last year.
0: I thought it, we were going to talk about that, especially, I, I'm assuming you saw the Grammy uh, oh, Awards. that honestly was just the cherry on top. Because if you look yeah. at
1: her, you know, I'll be totally honest. I think she has a lot of potential. I did not like
0: her her debut album. I honestly I, have not listened to any of it. I have zero interest in it. Like, and it, I, it's not you know nothing against her even though i i he, okay i i'm i'm just gonna keep that opinion myself so um <laughs> I'm, and and i think that it not only
1: you know obviously she's received multiple i don't know if she's received album of the year place i think she you know top 15 top 10 top 5 i don't i didn't see anywhere name her album the album of the year some people probably she, did so, but I, I mean, the outlets I follow at least, so yeah. you know, that, that's not an exhaustive look, but I, I don't remember seeing any place that called her um, album of the year, but she also, you know, because places have already started putting out their album of the decade, she was on there too, pretty high up. And then you that, have, see, obviously... I don't know. No, and you have, um, and I'll just say real quick, you just so it's not lingering out there. Uh, I've listened to her the album multiple times. I think that she has potential i think the more folksy pa- passages are are good like the songs that are just kind of more singer songwriter ask indie folk she has potential i think her she does not enunciate or have a lot of personality in her voice and a lot of the beats on the album are also very sparse and not that interesting it just mm-hmm. makes for a very boring listen and there are a ton of vocal effects thrown in randomly that i just don't think ever really work they just sound random or they sound like you know quote-unquote experimental for the sake of being experimental you know like her voice glitches or gets really bassy just because hey that's cool and i think also her lyricism um you know she's young and it's it sounds it sounds underdeveloped you know the <laughs> the, the, the song concepts and the way that she writes it it just and part of it i mean i'm not that far off from her only i think she's like 18, She's like 19. seventeen, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, and I'm I'm 25, so that's not a huge gap. Um, but I think that she has room to grow. However, this is the perfect like I could not have conceived a better example of optimism in in um, in action because yeah. she is a pop star. You know, she has songs like "Bad Guy" and like uh, that's the song. There's another single that's like it's just a long sentence. It's popular. It's popular. Oh, it's popular. yeah, but
0: People... "Wish w- w- she Were Gay," I think um there's another one on the radio that uh, Um, like
1: what do you want
0: from me see again i wouldn't know any of this i I just like you know i if i'm not interested in something i just tend not to pay attention to it because i I feel like if i paid attention to it i would probably get pretty salty and negative and sure i feel like i have better things to do with my life than be salty and negative but i I think just to close out this one thought
1: and then we can move on the reason i think this is a perfect case of optimism is because she's popular People know her. She is appealed broadly, but also, she's just dark and edgy and experimental enough. Like she just, oh, yeah. you know, like she just is the perfect balance between this can appeal to a broader audience, but like it's not, it's not like saccharine or poppy enough that you know people are gonna think it's it's lame or too you know too cliche or whatever. But, but
0: the the thing is, like I mean, and again, I I, I am talking out of my ass i think a little bit because i i do not listen to a lot of this stuff but like didn't like what's her name um oh god carly ray Jepsen. like th- i mean isn't her music pretty like not edgy at all yes and i i think that
1: because you have the quirky call me maybe like there's some and a lot of our other music kind of has that edge of almost irony or like self-awareness so I think that's why like in all these cases there's different things that people will kind of give a pass for for something that you wouldn't expect people to like. So uh, I, and then I you have so, like too, too big to fail artists like Beyonce that kind of get over the hump because yeah. they're just they're so huge that you know
0: they're obviously you like Beyonce she's Queen B, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I I so this question popped in my mind as you were talking basically do, do you think this is sort of this embrace of pop by the music media is Of necessity, or do you think it's genuine?
1: Um, If you look at the two biggest players in modern music criticism, both for the old guard and the newer guard, you have Rolling Stone and Pitchfork. Pitchfork was purchased by Conde Nast several years ago, and Conde Nast also owns Glamour, GQ, Teen Vogue, the New Yorker, Vanity Fair, etc. Um, This actually last year, end of last year, a company called Penske Media Corp which owns Variety Magazine and other places. They originally in 2017 purchased 51% of Rolling Stone and last year they purchased the remaining 49%. So I think part of it is corporate interests. I think these big, big name you know media companies want coverage of these big, they want to be relevant. That's where they see the money is. And they're not wrong. I mean, we could talk about whether or not that's the right focus to take, but in terms yeah. of like, you're gonna drive clicks if you talk about artists that people care about and i think to your other point i do think it's out of necessity kind of what to bring what i was saying earlier full circle their utility of recommending new artists is becoming less and less relevant cuz people are able to you know it's still needed to some extent you know not everyone's going to want to do you know dig deep into streaming services or find their own music but yeah. the fact that it's easier than ever to do that i think they do need to pivot to talking about artists that people already like talking about popular artists you know in more you know more in depth and more frequently because then people you know people are, may not click on like hey check out this cool up-and-coming band mm. you know but they will click on like oh like this Billie eilish interview or like oh this you know hey ariana well, grani is being talked so about or the, anything with kanye
0: there's something right there is that like and maybe I, I i've noticed this maybe i i think a little bit just in terms of you know because i think the first time i really started you know paying attention to music media was probably around like 2010 2011 Mm -hmm. uh and just basically watching the blabbermouth headlines as well as um uh metal hammer Mm -hmm. and increasingly uh they would be less and less about the actual music and like new music being released as more it was more about sort of it's it's basically turned into like a gossip rag in a way um and you know I a lot of this I think has to do with social media mm-hmm. uh, just because you know if you really wanted to you could find out about your favorite bands very easily without having to go through Pitchfork you just mm-hmm. literally just go to their Twitter you know and yeah. just done but I, I, I think so So basically like I, I think that Pitchfork and like a lot of these media music media places serve more as like an aggregate for all mm-hmm. of these new albums and like Music news, but again, like a lot of it, just really isn't news. Like it, a lot of it is just whatever bullshit someone's doing at this time, or whatever stupid thing someone said on Twitter, or whoever's yep. getting canceled at the moment, or you know. Yeah, it, and it's it's unfortunate,
1: but yeah. I, I think to some extent, I don't know if it's. I mean, obviously, it's their fault because they actively made the choice, but it's kind of like Newbury Comics. You, know, Newbury Comics, is slowly over the years, moved... Uh, yeah. you know, they still sell music, but they've deemed that and the fact they're still around in other stores, like, you know, like Strawberries, for example. Strawberries was a relatively popular local music store. They shut down. You know, I think Newberry Comics embracing things that people want to buy and being more about pop culture has helped them stay afloat. It's yeah. unfortunate. Like, I can understand why they made that choice. I wish they felt like... I wish they felt they didn't have to, but... Um, but it still sucks. It still sucks yeah. that I used to go to Pitchfork all the time. You know, when I first wanted to get into music, I looked at their best of the 80s, 90s, 70s lists. to like, you know, I should buy these albums. And I used to religiously look at their lists, you know, because they had some flair. You know, they had, you know, back even a few years ago, I remember 2014, their top albums of the year included uh, Grouper, Pharmacon perfume genius run the jewels like all artists that you would expect indie Did, blogs to like but
0: they still had their it was had some type of variety to it i mean now to, it's just... to, to, to be fair with, with those with those albums though like with those artists those were probably the best albums those artists put out since then sure yeah no i <laughs> think that's fair
1: you know th- there's there's some elements that are hard to you know they're they're not exact. You know. Yeah. You, you can't exactly pinpoint, you know, this was their best album. That's more of a subjective Yeah, I mean,
0: I, I, I was I was just thinking of Pharmacom because I'm pretty sure that was Bestial Burden.
1: Yes, and yeah. I would agree that I think that's her best output yeah. um, to date. But I think also, it's you know, in, in looking at their lists over the years, just the number of genres that are featured every year just seems to shrink every year. It's, you know, yeah. R&B, hip-hop, pop, and, you know, maybe some indie... Folk and rock here and there, but that's that's pretty much it.
0: But and I I think you know uh, you know to, to restate your point, you know it's it, in a way it's not their fault. Like you know it's they, they they're trying what they what they think is the best yeah. thing to do to survive right mm-hmm. now in an ever shrinking market. Yeah, you know, Cause, so because if, if the alternative know. is you know we're
1: just gonna have to shut down, you know, obviously yeah. that's a that's a pretty easy choice for them.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so it, you know it's. It does make sense, but I would also say that there are other sites that are worth checking out, also. You know, I, yeah, well, I mean, for a while I used to do the big three, which I, you know, Stereo Gum, uh, Pitchfork, Mm -hmm. and oh god, there's one other one and I can't even remember it now because I suck. Um, which, uh, real quick on Stereo Gum, uh, actually
1: earlier last year, uh, Scott Lapatine, who is the founder and editor chief of Stereo Gum. Uh, he repurchased the site from um, Hollywood Reporter Billboard Media Group they had bought it from him he, so now they're back to being independent huh. so to their credit it, it's kind of interesting how they reversed the, the trend I'm wondering why he did that maybe he saw where the coverage the direction was going and he was he didn't like it
0: well maybe it's I mean sometimes it has to do with waning interest like uh, sort, sure. of, sort of um, analogous correlative if you will uh, College Humor uh, just shut down like, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, and it's it's for a good reason, though, because, like, I don't think anybody was really watching it. Yes. And, um, but they sold it to Sam Reich, who is sort of, who is kind of, like, the CI, I think he was the creative, yeah, uh, chief creative officer mm-hmm. of the company. So, like, you know, and I think it was just because I think he believes in the company. Yeah, uh, But the the head sponsor didn't really think so so you know there you go which you know kind of a shame i i I can't say i'm the biggest college humor fan but you know like it's i just i i think some of that stuff comes from you know um certain people thinking that there's still gas left in the tank i guess there's still some worth absolutely but i i mean i I was saying before all before that though that um like I used to go and look at these really big websites and I just, I ended up stopping uh, because of it. But I, I've found other sites that I think are just as good, if not better. You know, Tiny Mixtapes, I think is a great site to check out. Um, I'm trying to think. I I think the, the quietest is often really good. Uh, sometimes they have a little, they have a couple little think pieces that, I mean, it, it's, it's cool to see think pieces, um, you know, on a site nowadays, because most of the time it's just, you know whatever someone's saying on their twitter but Mm. so but i at the same time some of the thing pieces are just like what does this have to do with music almost yeah i to, to 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 their to be totally fair they 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 sort of talk about a lot more than just music they talk a lot about just arts and culture in general um but oftentimes it just feels like they aren't even talking about the art and more about you know using the art to sort of make their own platform I guess but you know so th- 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 there are some really great alternative sites it it, it, it kind of makes me think almost that you be, because you know how there was like this blog bubble you know that that like it sort of like popped near like the end of like near at the beginning of like the 2010s in a way mm. uh, I, I feel like it's coming around again mm. like I, I, I feel like that everybody's getting so sick of sort of this stuff that I feel like maybe people are going to start, you know, going into blogs again, uh, which would be super cool. I I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there. So um, there's also, there's one thing I want to touch on, I think maybe before we move on. uh, And that's just because you mentioned this multiple times is sort of the prevalence of album of the year in sort of album lists and sort of how that's dominated Basically, like, like it, 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 feels like it's the almost like like the the crown jewel of music. It it feels like it's the only thing like music media has to offer anymore. Yeah. Um, which I I feel like it's worth talking about here because like I don't know, I, is it really worth it? Because this is actually where our whole conversation even bring us to this episode even started was talking about a friend's, you know, um. They they were they were doing like something what was a two, 2019 albums. Oh um, yeah, twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's you know I think it's just an example of like you know sort of th- this list this these these list getting out of control almost like that it, like, at like at what point is it about enjoying music and at what point is it just about having a list?
1: Yeah, and I think that. In the past, these lists might have um, kind of been the cherry on top of the year. You had yeah. coverage throughout the year that people talked about. I think now um, that's what the whole year is building towards. You know, people like yeah, the, whole, exactly. the whole point of the year is just to. And in some cases, it doesn't even it doesn't even matter. Like there there have been a f- uh, few instances. Um, I can't think of. I can only think of one example, but where pitchfork specific just because it's easy to talk about pitchfork because they get you know covered and, <laughs> and you know pretty e- easy and target so right <laughs> yeah I mean for, just because they're more visible than probably any yeah. other music blog um, yeah but they routinely will they the ordering of their year end list doesn't make any sense based on their coverage during the year like they'll routinely albums and I know you know it's individual reviews um, individual reviews however I actually know someone who contributed to pitchfork multiple times and the editorial board would adjust your score depending on what they thought so like they would read your review. really they they would they would adjust um and they might would potentially edit your uh review or ask you to rewrite it depending on like they would have their own opinion they didn't just you know people didn't just submit their reviews whatever that's part of the reason that's part of the reason their scores are so weird you know they'll have like 7.3 or whatever because that's
0: kind of disgusting it's um, very
1: interesting yeah because um, anyway so I, wow there, that, that is point. terrible like but there are you know there were several times where they would rate an album a certain way and it would you know like an album would get best new music but it would rank towards the end of the list or several best new music wouldn't even make their top albums of the year list but yeah. you know and this is a judgment call you would see albums that were you know technically more popular that would make the list or get ranked higher a great example is when Taylor Swift's 1989 came, to, came out they didn't review that at all like, they didn't re- put a review for it whatsoever. And I think it came, it ended up landing in their top 20, 25, which is kind of weird because, like, it di- it apparently didn't warrant their time to do a review for it, but yeah. they still put it up, which but, it's pretty transparent why. It was one of the yeah. biggest albums of that year they wanted it on their list.
0: So, yeah, th- th- that's interesting. Like, you know, and I think it's just like, you know, to go back to the earlier point that, you know, I, I think it's just like all these guys are doing, like, it's all these guys can do to survive in yeah, a way that exactly. like people, people like to see the list at the end of the year. And I think it's, it's one of those things that it's like, it's sort of like mutually beneficial because you know, if an artist shows up on it, you know that they're going to be getting more attention, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it, and I think it's just, it, it's kind of funny how it's just, it, it's skewed. Like it, everything now is skewed towards it. Like, you know, like, nobody releases albums that much in December anymore. Like, or the, the people that do know that it's kind of like a death knell for their album to actually gain any sort of traction. Yeah. It, unless it's like, you know, Kanye or something like that, because, you know, Kanye can fart and it, you know, yes. makes headlines. So, but,
1: and I think part of that, part of that I understand because people are busy, and they're busy over the holidays. So I understand why they, they've shifted it. That said, it's it's almost become a competition to leapfrog each other. Oh yeah, you know, like it's just it used to come out you know early December, you know mid December. Now it seems like you know basically it's after like, Thanksgiving, fair game. It's, you know, it's, it's like it, by Thanksgiving sometimes. Like, yeah, it, and, and it's did, crazy. didn't
0: pitch for it go before Thanksgiving.
1: Uh, I don't recall when they published it, but it yeah. it was pretty. It was it was closer to Thanksgiving than Christmas, and I, yeah, and it was. No, I don't think that's necessarily the best way to go. And it's hard. You know, I, I, I for a blog. It's difficult to pull that content together, especially. Oh, yeah. yeah. People are going to be. But there there is a point because when it's published, you have to think that probably close to two, three, four weeks, depending on the scope of coverage, that time was dedicated just to put it, pulling that together. So if it's released, you know, December 1st, they probably cu- cut it off you know early november yeah you know so that that that's why it, it's not you, you might think oh it's coming out in december that's the end of the year well, who cares like well okay but their consideration for albums probably was cut off you know several several weeks before then
0: it, it's it's definitely something to i think keep in mind that you know these lists are obviously very subjective yes you know it, it, and i mean not even in terms of like you know personal taste i mean there, there's literally like we've got like a time frame right here you know, but we've also got just the fact that there's just so much music out there that it it, it would just be impossible to to cover all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, okay. which which I think brings us to our sort of our, our next topic. If 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 you don't have any other points you want to talk about, I would about just say the,
1: one one final yeah. quick thing is the reason that. Um... The reason that it matters, the reason that you're like, okay, like who cares how they construct their lists or whatever, you know, it it is subjective and it's important to remember that. But for, I think, I I forget, at least speaking for me personally, um, a lot, most people don't consume and view music like I do. Mm. You know, a lot of people, you know, like we talk about how the Grammys are a joke and whatnot, but for a lot of people, they're not, you know, obviously viewership's gone down over the years, but there is still a significant enough portion of the population that they see these lists, they see... you know the Grammys they see awards and that stuff persuades them and you know I guess there's nothing inherently evil with that but when you're talking about you know again this is just my opinion like the music that I guess I'll say matters but like music that I think is better than what's celebrated you know gets pushed down because a certain agenda for various reasons you know obviously we talked about that it's you know staying staying afloat versus going under it's an easy decision yeah but
0: but, but I mean there's also I mean I don't know if you've been keeping uh, track of this or the sort of controversy surrounding this latest Grammys. Yes. Yeah. So that, that th- th- was there's a lot going on that. Yeah. They're 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 possibly even rigged, which is it's kind of no surprise to anybody. Oh, yeah, I'm but... not, not remotely surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I especially like. I mean, c- considering how some people just you know just blow through the competition. I mean, Billie Eilish this year. So it it not it isn't a matter of deserving or not. It's just that like. You know, to have somebody make like to to sweep the awards that much—it's it's sort of like Lord of the Rings sweeping the Academy Awards too. It's just like those aren't bad movies by any search of the imagination, but do they deserve like eleven uh, like wins? Like mm, exactly, you know. So yeah, it, it's all divisive, I, I think. But but I would also say that I I think given the way it's it's been going as of late, my my final word here is just that. Uh, I, I think there's a big change on the horizon in mm-hmm. sort of this area of music culture, because I, I think people are starting to get kind of sick of it. I mean, I, I, I know that like Pitchfork is is kind of be, started, starting to become a joke in some uh, music circles, uh, you know, sort of in the way that Rolling Stone has been for like the past 30 years. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, so I, I, I think things are gonna be changing this decade. I yeah, I, I, feel like, I feel like that always had, you know, like, uh, Pitchfork, I
1: think to some degree, and I, I don't, this is just my revisionist history to an extent, yeah. maybe partially was founded in response to places like Rolling Stone. Really oh yeah, no, no, I, I,
0: I definitely think so. I I mean, like, I, as much as we don't like to think about this, the, a lot of things in life are very cyclical. Uh, yeah. I, it doesn't mean that, that these things happen exactly as they happened before. It's just that, like, there are certain trends that will often repeat. You know, much like, um, oh, what was it? Uh, oh God, I yeah, the, sorry, Hegel's dialectic. There we go. Just, just, it's just gonna pull that one out of my ass, right? <laughs> talk some philosophy, philosophy of history, guys. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> let's just leave it at that before I go down that rabbit hole. Um, so let's talk about music consumption and sort of streaming because uh yeah like because i mean obviously streaming is the prevalent way to listen to music now and i mean it's it's sort of it's made this itself very clear that that's the case over like the last three years or so uh but this last year is you know it's sort of weird how like almost monopolized it is now if you think about it Mm -hmm. like it's pretty much between apple music and spotify as as far as I can see like
1: yeah title never had an official press conference to announce that they were done but I mean wait wait did
0: did title titles done I mean
1: (laughs) no I'm I'm just saying that like they're they have to I mean I haven't heard anything about them like even Jay-Z hasn't talked about it yeah God knows
0: how long I I think it's just like like, you know okay like maybe this is kind of unrelated but let's talk about this I I had no idea this even happened that there was a new Terminator movie last year like yeah, I had no idea about that really? at all. Like, I and usually like, I mean, I haven't been paying attention to film as much in the last couple of years. But like, I, I feel like a franchise as big as the Terminator, like you, you would you would like hear about that. I had no idea this thing even existed. <laughs> like, so it's you know, I I think you can sort of see sort of similarities that like i mean i i guess i think pandora is still a thing i think like deezer is still a thing you know I, I and, and youtube music has been growing a lot apparently youtube music has been yeah like like people have been uh you know i i think there's something to talk about right there is sort of this um recent wave of like lo-fi study beat type of things but by... and i'm not talking about sort of the the music itself but rather how it's often like these huge mixes on YouTube that are like two, three hours in length. Or like I, I'll often see like live, um, sort of, sort of like live shows of things that, that are just like you know like three hours of like lo-fi beats, but it's all it's all streaming live mm-hmm. at the moment. You know, it, it, which is sort of interesting to see because I i because I mean YouTube still has problems with copyright. You know, even to this day. And yet we're still having a lot of this stuff happening which is really interesting actually to think about because you know with Spotify Apple
1: music you know blah 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 you have to <laughs> there's some level of, of intake that has to happen like you have to like you have to go through channels to get your music on um, on these streaming platforms you know I, I don't yeah. know how complex it is I don't know like you know the process I'm not it, gonna it,
0: pretend. It, it it's getting easier yeah. Um, well, with but, YouTube, it's literally just,
1: hey, you want to upload a video? Have at it, man! And then obviously they have um, processes in place to catch people who are infringing on copyright. But how yeah. much? How, how many hours or you know, mega or gigabytes or whatever terabytes of footage or sound, whatever, is uploaded to YouTube? Oh daily? yeah, no, it, it, I mean, it's, like,
0: it's something ridiculous. Like the, there's there's so much YouTube being like YouTube videos being uploaded on the yeah. reg that it's just like nobody will ever like. I I don't think there are enough people to be able to even watch it all <laughs> at uh, this point. And
1: and again, there's there's ways you can that they try to combat that when there's copyright infringement. But you know, good luck trying to get at it all in a time. Oh, yeah. I mean it's just it's impossible. Like you, yeah, you, you you're not going to get at all. You know, and uh, I know that um, I think No uh, Noyan from the blog. I think it was him. Yeah. Uh, one of his videos was incorrectly flagged I might have been someone else I know who who would upload their music it was incorrectly flagged because a lot of times they're using algorithms yeah that is a a, a quicker way to do it but obviously there's no
0: human element it's it's inexact that's a whole controversy if you've been following YouTube news yeah that's been like the last couple years is just uh how you know Google has basically coded YouTube's like copyright algorithm Mm -hmm. to in, in favor of corporations uh, as opposed to, you know, actually being able to go through and, you know, be, be, because like free, um, uh, what was it? I, I, free copyright? I, I can't remember the exact wording. Um, a fair use. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, fair use technically uh, covers something that is, uh, you know, constructive that is, you know, uh, like an exp- like, like an explanation or um, some sort of, you know, talking point, you know, like it's if a piece of music is being used or like analyzed, you know, it technically falls under fair use. Mm-hmm. But, you know, lately this type of stuff has, you know, been really shaky to the point that like there are some people who, they, you know, they, they're actually like creators who have just like left YouTube altogether that like they've actually started a new platform just for this type of stuff. Oh. Um, you know it, you know what's weird is that i i feel like music really hasn't done the same thing except for bandcamp now that I think about it, I and mean, yeah I guess title, but like title you know <laughs> title's a joke <laughs>
1: well a title fit because obviously bandcamp has a different um the reason bandcamp is able to do what they um do do things the way they're able to do them is because they don't offer royalties like the the failure of title is they wanted to basically it was it was kind of like like that Trump quote where like we're going everyone's going to have free health free better healthcare and not like pay anymore like that's just not going to work it's like the same that's exactly what title was saying is that like artists are going to pay more but you know users aren't going to have to pay more and it's going to be higher quality and it's going to be great and there's going to be no issues and it's like okay one of those things at least one of those things can't be true like yeah. you know you can't do all those things at the same time uh, you can't pay artists more but also not charge more and, you know, also
0: maintain, like, supposedly higher audio quality. Um, you know what's been interesting is, is how, and I've been noticing this increasingly over the past year, is how uh, even, like, there, there are a lot of, like, major record labels who will put the, like, they'll put their stuff on Bandcamp. Which is yeah,
1: It has, I yeah, there are more and more artists, I, I, again, can't think of any specific examples, but there are more and more artists I'm surprised to find on Bandcamp. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: It, um, it, it's, like, it, it's kind of weird. Uh, I mean, I, I get it in a way, like, you, you sort of need revenue, you know, wherever you can find it. But it's just, like, it, it would be like, I don't know, it'd be, be like going to, like, an experimental music store... And uh, finding, like, you know, a corn record.
1: <laughs> you yeah, know, no, just, that's,
0: like, that's true. It, it, it just doesn't seem like there'd be a market for it. But I, I, I guess Bandcamp isn't exactly discriminating based on genre. Um, so I think, by, by that logic, you know, anybody's fair game to mm-hmm. be on it. Yeah. Um, it is kind of weird how, like, that... I, I don't know if you've noticed this, how, like, Bandcamp has, like, sort of the strata of, like, popularity... Mm-hmm. that like you know you can be like a big like a list artist that is known outside of bandcamp but then you also have like the sort of this insular bandcamp sort of community going on that like you know bandcamp daily like that type of stuff yeah and then you have you have strata even below that and it's just it's just weird how there's like it it, it feels like the, there's they're very locked almost that mm-hmm. there's they like very rarely do they like sort of move uh, it's, it's almost like a cast system in a way except that like there are some people who do move like I mean I think Milo I think was probably a pretty big you know pull from there you, even though I, I I would say he's still you know not like a list I guess but I mean I, I remember his stuff being really big through bandcamp initially yeah so
1: and I think that kind of ties with what we were saying earlier just to connect our conversation. Yeah. I mean obviously you have your Bandcamp daily, Bandcamp weekly, uh, the radio show they put on and they write, you know, blogs and content every day. You know, that's an extreme version of this, but even Spotify and Apple Music, you know, I'm I use Apple Music personally, but yeah, me too. I, I'm increasingly more surprised by um, the albums that receive write-ups, you know, and and, yeah. and commentary and and sometimes they'll upload, you know, track by track commentary from the artists and they'll do interviews and stuff and obviously if you go to the front page of app music and spotify um they'll have they'll recommend you you know not only what's popular but they'll you know curate it to some degree again not not to the same degree as Bandcamp. uh and then obviously they'll they'll create curated playlists which you know depending on what you like will be hyper specific or not you know sometimes it's easy if you like indie folk okay we'll just dump a bunch of indie folk in there there's Um, something
0: that i think is i mean we could probably make an episode from this is just this idea of of playlist Culture and sort yes. of uh, algorithm-generated recommendations and playlists, uh, because that is just the most prevalent thing right now. Like Absol- and, absolutely, and, 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 and people are only beginning to catch on to it. I think exactly, and
1: I, I think that um, you know when I think of looking for new music, that you know involves calling through Bandcamp and and just doing my own research on uh, several sites like. Um, like, I call it Pitchfork and stuff like that, but also Treblezine and like smaller magazines like that. Write your music, even. Uh, as yeah, exactly. Write your title. music. So I do that manually, but absolutely, there are a ton of people who just, you know, click, they listen to, you know, pick a few songs that they like, listen to it over time, it'll create a playlist for them. Yeah. And that kind of ties back to, you know, what's the utility of a site like Pitchfork? Like, if someone doesn't have to continuously check Pitchfork and they just can keep listening to music, and then the platform itself will, you know, Generate you know however accurate or not they'll generate something that you enjoy like it just it makes it a, why would you go somewhere for music recommendations when literally they're going to be plopped right
0: in your lap um, yeah it it's definitely it, it's I I think it's just weird that like again people haven't really like caught onto it fully yet like like we're still thinking about albums as opposed to songs uh exactly. well actually let, 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 let's save that for trends in music itself. Um, just because I feel like that's more relevant there, but, you know, just sort of be, because I, I don't know if you remember this from, I think it was a couple of years ago now, there was, um, sort of this article, I think it was on the fader about, um, uh, basically like there are a number of Spotify artists who are thought to be like actually just Spotify, like, yeah, just, just making these, these tracks that are nonsense and just putting them on these playlists so they can rack up millions of, of hits. Um, you know, it, it's, like, again, like, I, I I don't think people have really caught on to that yet, because I think that's something, like, really, like, I, like, it, it, it like, that, that, I don't know, I, I guess uh, I think both on the, both on the part of the listener and the manufacturer that nobody's really pounced on it yet. Uh, which I don't know is exactly a good thing, because, like, you know, I I mean, I actually noticed, I don't know if you heard about this, but um, apparently Amazon put, like, illegal copies of certain movies on Amazon Prime. Really? Yeah. I hadn't heard of that. Yeah, uh, I can't remember what movie exactly it was, Uh, but, you know, it's, it's happened and stuff like that, you know, so it's been, like, very... Interesting to see sort of the legalities of this, um, and then yeah, you know, you bring up an interesting point too. Is that sort of how insular these streaming services have been? That they're sort of like the one-stop shopping. Yeah, of, absolutely. Of music in a way that, like, you know, they they have their own news articles, they have their own recommendations, things like that. And I mean, I, I know I really should use Apple Music's recommendations more because apparently they have like a whole experimental section. Uh, that they keep actively like relevant huh. uh, which i i would never even think like 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 apple music actually has like mersbau inspired playlists if if you can believe it like like that's it, really interesting yeah like curated like not not like algorithmic either so huh i know you you wouldn't think of it but yeah, uh, apparently absolutely. apparently there's a niche for it which i mean it, I think it it has its positives and negatives like I, I think it's cool to be able to give that type of music coverage. but at the same time it's it, I don't know there's something about it that just doesn't stick with me right that that just how we're sort of relying on these streaming services for everything now. Um, yeah, but well for you know some people you know I agree,
1: but for some people that's that's a perfect solution. you know they, I, they, yeah. they it's amazing just to be you know given music revenue and given new music to listen to. I mean it's not my preferred way to do it, but that's you know, for some yeah. people that don't want to put in as much time and effort, that's perfect.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's just you know, when it comes to music consumption, like I, I and I, I could apply this to other parts of uh sort of media consumption, but I I tend to relate physicality with like repetition or like, you know, with um I guess consciousness, I, I don't know, I, I'm not putting this right, but what I mean is that, like, um, if if I have music on, you know, digitally, I tend not to listen to it as much as I do listen to music that is uh, that I physically own.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, I mean, I could own it on Apple, you know, I could buy it from iTunes, but I still won't listen to it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's, I, I, I think we're, we're both... A little similar in that I, I think you, yeah. you're a little bit better than me with it because you, you, you don't mind. You have like just a huge Bandcamp profile, if I remember right. Yeah, you know, when so. I'm at work, obviously I don't mind. You
1: know, yeah, exactly. Apple Music bank, but obviously you know I have my CDs in the car when I'm at home, listen to vinyl and whatnot. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think that most people don't consume music that way, and if we can, you know, if you don't mind me segueing just a tiny bit. Yeah, um, I think that is presenting an issue that I don't know if the industry knows how to to deal with. And that is how do you, how do you quantify that? How do you turn that into, you know, back in the day, someone buys an album, someone buys a CD, you know, that's pretty easy to delineate in terms of the the charts and, you know, how successful an album was and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And and by extension, the reason that matters is, should we support a follow up? You know, what music should we support? You know, what do people want to hear? You know, so obviously it's, an album being popular and monetarily successful doesn't mean that it's a good album by any means, but it does mean depending on what their contract is will they receive another one, will it be support do people want to hear this in the eyes of um, labels and I think I, I was looking for an, art, an article that summed this up and I found one from The Guardian, so these are the UK numbers, uh, US does it differently uh, from them, the numbers they had is that a hundred streams on the paid version of Spotify and six hundred plays on the ad-supported version equal one sale, which is further complicated by the fact that apparently a stream is thirty-one plus seconds of a track on Spotify or YouTube, like the official version of that. And I think that's crazy that you have albums that are potentially someone listens to half the song or a quarter of the song you enough you know people listen to it enough times in that way and I know we've talked about before the difference between passive and active listening. Yeah. And I think that's something that still I don't know if I mean how did you decide that 10600 equal a sale? Like I feel like that's I mean I'm sure it's not completely random, but I feel yeah. like they're just kind of grasping at something cuz there's no there's no exact way that you can equate a Spotify stream to some monetary value.
0: Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I think this goes into sort of our next topic a little bit that, you know, sort of there, I, I think sort of the delineation between albums and EPs has never been wider. Or oh, been, absolutely. Yeah. So I like, mean, in the, in the past, I, think or, it was, I, I, I should say more blurry, more
1: ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the past, you know, it was pretty clear based on physical media, you know, a seven inch, a 10 inch, a 12 inch. And obviously that's. Further changed with CDs over the years, and now with um, digital media, where you can literally drop a twenty-plus track, you know, digital mixtape on Apple Music. You you can put on as many songs as long as you want, and yeah. you know, whatever. In fact, it, it, for some artists, that's a good thing because like we've talked about playlists and people just passively listening to music. The you know, someone puts on your album is twenty tracks long. You know, awesome. They're just gonna you know just stream it in the background or what what have yeah. you. And I think that's a great point. Is that the length of albums or i guess we should say releases the length of releases these days is all over the place oh yeah
0: i mean like like you know connie west puts out what like three 20 minute albums you know and then a 60 plus minute gospel album at the end of last year <laughs> like it's just it's so <laughs> random it's just so Are you still random. salty about that, Scott? <laughs> no, he released actually like he. Oh, yeah, no, no, no! I, I, I'm, I'm talking about you just listening to Jesus is King. Yes, yeah. But actually,
1: he released uh, he and the Choir released just a strictly a gospel album, like just gospel music. That one's really nice, really pretty. You know, what? It's, uh, it's...
0: Jesus is born. Yes. You and you actually was... listened to it?
1: It was it was good. It was exactly what you'd expect. It was you know like you know black gospel music. You know you'd expect to hear it. You know. Um, I'm just like
0: surprised a, you you would you would come crawling
1: back. <laughs> you know um, what? It didn't really have Kanye on it, so that was the sell. That was the, <laughs> that was the uh, but you're totally right that the what what it means to listen to an album or an EP or what have you, it's like it's meaningless at this point.
0: Exactly, and so I I think this is maybe the new standard, and but you know how they quantify that I I you know is it's based on nothing kind of mm-hmm. because. Again, you know, but it's it's very it's almost like circular logic that they're sort of prying at here. That they're like, oh, we're doing this based on CD sales, which don't really mean anything now.
1: (laughs) Exactly, and and I feel like that further complicates the concept of filler. Like, are and you know, can can we officially
0: move over to like sort of music itself? Then music trends, yeah, Yeah.
1: And, and I think. Because, and it's again, this is a lot of stuff we're talking about is somewhat hard to quant- quantify because it's based on our own opinion of, of popular music and, and music that is um, consumed in this way. But you have to think if the goal is to create these long projects that potentially can be, because uh, that Guardian article I mentioned, I guess there was some controversy about uh, French Montana's new song, Writing on the Wall. There were some allegations that um, his label or his camp or whatever set up streaming, they call them streaming farms, and it was, like, specifically setting up thousands of devices to play, skip, repeat the first 31 seconds of a track. Really? Yeah, so that it would, you know, you just have these, you know, devices constantly replaying and over and over and over again, so it creates artificial (sighs) streams. Which, obviously, that's not something you could ever do on, you know, with cds or vinyl. yeah well no, you
0: you actually can do that uh theoretically but it well you, you not in terms of like actually listening to it but in terms because you know as a because right, right now you know we're, we're we're quantifying music sales by how much someone's listening to it whereas it used to just be by the sale of the cd itself exactly So, yeah. which, so which, like, which this is what the church of scientology actually does this they actually buy you know like warehouses full of their own books, just so they land on the on the New York Times bestseller list.
1: Sure, so. actually, that's a really good point. I think the only distinction being is that at least someone's buying it. Like yeah. In this this stream farm case, you know, as as they, they called it, you know, you you pay ten bucks a month for Spotify, and then you just blast it on this, you know, on a. Um, that's not it's, the same kind of a financial investment. Is all yeah,
0: is. I it definitely. I, I, what I don't get though is like, why would you? I, it, it it seems almost needlessly expensive and unnecessary to get a thousand devices to do that. Like, mm-hmm. wouldn't it make more sense to, I mean, I, I, I like, you know, I, again, I, I, I'm not a professional when it comes to, you know, computer hardware and computer science, uh, but... It seems to me that it would be easier to hack into spotify and change the numbers <laughs> instead of getting these thousand yeah. fucking phones and have program them to exactly skip at 31 seconds
1: <laughs> you think
0: so? yeah That's like funny. it's it's almost like the um uh turn right <laughs> like oh, remember when flappy bird came out and like somebody programmed uh like a robot arm to to perfectly play flappy bird and it's like, that's funny. I don't remember yeah. that. But that's oh funny. yeah, it, it, would, it would do it perfectly. But it's like okay, so um, you could apply that to literally anything else. And, and yeah,
1: you, like, this is what you're putting your resources. Into.
0: Yeah, or, or like the um, like there are like YouTube videos of like you know uh, makers who will like uh, that they, they'll create contraptions that'll like. Uh, Perfectly do a perfect score in like one of those arcade games, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like the the ones with the spinning light, the spinning circle of lights. They like they'll have something that they'll like time it perfectly, and it's mm-hmm. like so like why <laughs> like the 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 money you spent buying an Arduino board and and the time you spent programming it, you could have easily just bought one of the prizes <laughs> that, that was in it. <laughs> That you could have gotten for the tickets, but anyway, yeah. getting way off track. I, you know, but it's it, it is a weird point that just like it, it, it's all very flimsy right now, and I think it's just because you know the music, like basically, like corporatized music has just been so firmly entrenched in its ways for basically the last fifty years. Mm-hmm. You know that I, I think it's just it's still not ready to deal with the change yet um yeah you know that... it's kind of like uh, one of my favorite
1: um media philosophers marshall McLuhan. yeah he, he, he coined the famous uh, media is the message yeah um you know the whole the whole idea that like the way something's delivered and like the technology surrounding how we consume messages and media and content is almost more important than the message itself you know it kind of shapes our worldview how we Uh, perceive it and whatnot and he had a point that a lot of times we um you know we consume or we we respond to change with a a a rear view mentality is that we you know we're we're, the car's always driving forward we're always going forward we're still looking at the uh you know the ways of the past and i think that's incredibly true to your point about the music industry and i think again we, we keep we're being very charitable on this episode. We're saying how it's it's not it's not their fault. But, I mean, truly, it's not entirely their fault. You know, the changes that have come about with streaming services as quickly as they have and the way that artists have adapted to it and the way that, you know, people have responded to it, that's it's really complex to figure out how to navigate that. And, oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I think that that's one of the reasons that this, um, you know, trying to find the equivalent number of streams to one sale is fascinating because how do you even do that? Like, I couldn't do that. You know, I'm criticizing them for having, like, you know, picking weird numbers and kind of having a, uh, in inexact science, but, like, I couldn't figure it out. I know. Like, right. I, I, don't, I couldn't put a ballpark of, like, th- you know, th- this many streams equals one sale. It's a challenging issue that I, I think is still, you know, we're still not really that close to figuring out, clearly, since your streaming's been around for, you know, over a decade at this point. And, and I yeah. don't know if anyone's really kind of
0: put a put a finger on what i mean to, how to address these things. to be fair streaming a decade ago is nothing like streaming right now though. oh absolutely yeah and like, i think
1: that that's almost a testament to, to what i was saying is that yeah. over the last 10 years alone things have changed exponentially with yeah. something that you know
0: they couldn't even get their hands on to begin with so <laughs> so uh l- l- let's talk about more just trends in music uh because I-, I think there- there's a couple things that are worth pointing out even beyond you know sort of album you know, it, it's almost... I don't even want to say the death of the album, but it kind of is that sort of been, like, this movement more towards tracks. Uh, even though the, I would argue that, that, that that's always been the case. Uh, that, like, you know, that there have always been, like, a few singles that always get played on the radio as opposed to, like, whole album sides. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's not like John Peel is, like, DJing in every radio station. <laughs> yeah. You know, so... um, it's, but, but it's just... It's interesting how it feels like it's gotten even more in that direction. Uh-huh. But I think on the level of music itself, you know it's it, it, it it's it's kind of interesting to see what genres are working and aren't because you know people are always saying, oh rock is dead, but it's like like Greta van Fleet, like you know, no matter what you say about them, I still managed to, you know, Sort of, sort of punch that idea of rock being dead in the chest, you know. It for, for better or worse, because it, in a way, you know, you could have just killed it even more with what, with how they did it. Mm-hmm. But then, <laughs> at the same time, you, you, there's this people. There are these people who are like, you know, hip hop is the cultural mainstay, and it's like, I, I, I guess that's true. But at the same time, like, you know, I mean, Billie Eilish plays folk, right? <laughs> so yeah, like, like you know
1: indie folk pop wherever you want to play. yeah
0: so so it's it, like it, it's all it's, it's just much more nebulous than we like to think it actually is
1: yeah um, and i think i've always taken issue with the idea that a genre can be dead i mean for the you know i guess well, maybe i mean it, not... it literally can't
0: i mean it, yeah, like I, I mean, I, I guess...
1: ideas cannot die I guess you're not gonna see any contemporary like Gregorian folk artists, but maybe that's just because I I'm, I'm not looking in the right place. You know, just yeah, you know, when you say you know, an genre a genre's dead that just kind of it just says you're not looking hard enough. You know, for a while people said punk is dead. There's plenty of punk music, it's not well, that hard to find.
0: I, I mean I, I think there I, I I think the notion behind Punk is dead is not uh, about the actual music, but rather the like the spirit of it. If you get what I mean. And exactly, and I
1: think you you perfectly set me up for where I was going to go with that is I think it's more so, you know, the genre as I know it is dead. And I think the way music works and the way genres work is that they're always... I mean, every genre, as soon as it starts, it is constantly going to change. Oh, yeah. Once you open up an idea, people are going to grab onto it. And depending on where they grew up, what other artists and scenes they listen to, they're going to come out with something completely different. I mean... mean, just Just look at around, you know, two contemporaries around the same time, like the Ramones and the Sex Pistols. They didn't re- approach punk nearly the same way, but they came out around the same time and they were playing, you know, they are both played punk rock and they didn't, you know, and then you could even look at not that long later, you know, the hardcore punk movement, you know, even in the same country. And a lot of times in the same cities and, and the same scenes, mm. they took it in a totally different direction because that's how these things were. They just marched forward with the,
0: um, the it's a face it, of, it, of progress. It's a bit like a fractal in a way that it's, it's yeah. ever expanding, mm-hmm. though in a very uh, often like a similar sort of trajectory, mm-hmm. if, if you will. Like, I, I think th- there's always sort of like these two um, sort of forks, one going towards, you know, more pop sensibility, one going towards more experimentation. And like, I think there are branches off of those where like sometimes they'll meet a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm thinking of like a Husker do almost, yeah. You know, or but um, I think w- when it comes to I he- here's something that I I want to make a prediction for this decade. I think we're going to see a full-fledged new metal revival this decade.
1: Oh, for sure. And, yeah. and I think you alluded to it earlier is that things always come back. I mean, Greta Van oh, Fleet yeah. is um, you know, hawking the the 70s rock.
0: uh, which I mean, Led, Ze- Led Zeppelin specifically. Yeah, and, in, in uh, a way, like, like that type of stuff's never died. Like if you go, if you look at like Classic Rock magazine, or like yeah. any any of those, like they always are talking about seventies classic rock. Like you know, if it's not Pink Floyd, it's Rush. If it's not Rush, it's Rolling Stones. If it's not Rolling Stones, you know, it's Led Zeppelin. So exactly, and and I think
1: it will be interesting. If, uh, maybe we're going towards. I would say like a a grunge or kind of like an alt rock revival. I mean, we're kind of seeing that with Billie Eilish. I don't know if she fully embraces that, but that kind of darker, pseudo dark, like moody edge. Because over the last several years, it's been all '80s. You know, the, oh, the yeah. sounds of the sounds of the '80s have. It, it, it's it's like I, I've been they, I've been so happy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love as, it. as a I'm child of the '80s, <laughs> like, I'm 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 not complaining at all. I think yeah. it's it's fantastic, but it, it clearly is just. Um, you know, it, it's like they discover all their parents' old '80s records, like Duran Duran, Depeche Mode records. And they're like, "Fuck, let's we need to do this." You
0: know what's interesting though is that, like, and, and I mean, I, I I could be wrong, but I, I don't think the same thing happened back in like the '80s. Like, I, I I don't think they were going to like Sinatra and be like, "Oh my god, guys, this is amazing."
1: <laughs> like, it, it is odd because when we talk about these nostalgic moments, it really is like now. It's like yeah. we're living in, so it's curious what happened between, I, you know, popular music as we know it from the, let's say the 50s and 60s through, um, yeah, you know, like the, the 80s. 2000s. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So like how, you know, why is it that we can look back at like 80s nostalgia and the 70s nostalgia, 60, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, you know, Lana Del Rey has made her career off of basically taking what Nancy Sinatra did. now she's one of the most critically acclaimed artists. Um, you know, around. Obviously, yeah. you can name any number. I mean, Taylor Swift, she
0: 1989, her... yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: She catapulted her career in a different direction by basically taking a lot of 80s drums And there's really no shortage of bars you can pull, you know, call from. It, it... I mean the, the week the weekend's new song literally sounds like it could have come out in the eighties. And he's always I been actually haven't heard interested it, in that. So it's pretty good. I like it. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's really curious, and I guess I never thought about that, so you brought it up is that really these nostalgic moments are happening now. Like, you're right that back in the 80s, the popular sounds weren't, you know, Elvis revival or, like, Sinatra revival.
0: We like, I mean, did. I think maybe there was a little bit because, I mean, it it I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking of, like, Misfits. You know, l- l- sure. like, Danzig clearly pulled from the Elvis catalog a yeah. little bit. <laughs> but,
1: but you're totally right because, like, if you listen to pop music now, so much of it clearly pulls from the 80s. Yeah. But if you go back to the 80s, I that didn't really happen. I, you know, I, that... that
0: Something similar didn't happen. I I think we're talking about like, uh, and I I guess this is going to sound very pretentious, but I think this is sort of, we're we're butting our heads against the wall of like sort of between modernism and postmodernism, I guess. Mm -hmm. We're talking about like sort of capitalism and like economic growth's effect on culture. Yeah. Uh which is just a whole other fucking conversation that I, I don't think we should get into. <laughs> also maybe and I'm just... going I'm
1: going to phrase yeah. it like this because it's like the dumbest way possible to frame it but like maybe it's cuz we've run out of new instruments. Like obviously back in the just late 70s early 80s, you know, since we're new, that's one of the reasons that we had that explosion of sounds is cuz it was a new
0: like it well, was literally new it, it in wasn't... terms of the, that's used. the thing is it, it wasn't really new per se because they had developed them in like the 60s but, but it was but,
1: relatively they only well was a, it was couple. it was
0: more commercially available exactly. because uh people had you know sort of like roland and like you know yamaha had sort of come together and realized that if you instead of because you know all synth- synthesizers actually used to just be modular mm-hmm. um but they found out that you know you could market them pretty easily if yeah. you just connected the wirings because it'd be a lot cheaper yeah uh, so like way. it became rent, more readily available yeah.
1: it certainly was more widely incorporated in music late 70s early 80s so there's that and the 90s kind of broke open what you could do with rock music uh, in a way you know more so than you know that, that happens every decade but in terms of like the commercial charts so maybe but, we're Maybe we're reaching a point where, like, all the, the I don't want to say all the rules have been broken, but, like, like we have to find new ways to break the rules, but we kind of have the same... palette uh, to break yeah, them when, with. When's you know, the last time, like, a new instrument really well, broke?
0: I I, I I would argue that the computer is that new instrument, and the computer can arguably be any instrument, which... Sure. It, it, it's kind of like, it, it's it's the pharmacon, if you will. It's, it's the cure and the poison.
1: <laughs> and it's almost, um, that's almost more subtle. You know, like when you look at electronic music in the 80s, I mean, you had to have someone up there with some type of at least a sequencer or something. Yeah. Whereas now, like the, the studio tricks and what you can do with the computer, uh, I mean, obviously you have some people who literally go on stage with someone with a laptop in the back. Oh yeah, like, the, some of the, like the edits and stuff that they can do on computers to affect music a lot of times can be very subtle. You know, it can be very like you have no idea that they've um, like autotune has become more, you know, back when T-Pain was first coming out, autotune like you you knew what something was autotune. Yeah. But they've gotten better and better over the years at Making it sound somewhat seamless. Yeah, so, s- same like, thing
0: with like a MIDI instrumentation. Sure, sure. yeah, absolutely. You really, like it's really tough to hear the difference sometimes it's, now. It, it's so. funny. I'll say my album of uh, album oh, of the week. Do you, that's... do do you want to do you want to just go to that or uh, oh, I, was just gonna, I'm,
1: I was gonna bring something a point like that up on my album of the week. But okay. like, do you have anything
0: else you want to uh, say? No, it's the thing. Really that, I, I, I I I feel like we almost should. Talk about this idea of of like no new instruments on like a later episode at some point because yeah I I literally I just workshop that
1: as we were talking so yeah I, I know I, even I, on like, that. like
0: that was like you're blowing my mind with that so
1: yeah um, I just, that just kind of occurred to me as we were talking like you know why is it that we've and you kind of this is the same thing with you with um, the whole idea of nostalgia really being a relative yeah new thing. I, how about
0: so how about we take those two. Topics, and we'll talk about them a little bit more next week. Great. Um, and then, uh, so right now, we will sort of close our uh, music state of, uh, state of music 2019, uh, even though we, we sort of just went off the rails as per usual. <laughs> Didn't yeah, really talk about 2019, but. That's totally fine. We yeah. always go off the rails. It's always fun. Yeah, it, it's fun. That, that That's the way these things work. Uh, let's talk about albums of the week. So, uh, Scoot, I really want to know what your album of the week is now. <laughs> So
1: sometimes when I don't know like what, what CD I'm going to bring in the car with me next uh, like randomly just a segment of a song will pop in my head and that happened this week and it was the opening rift to opening riff not rift um, <laughs> to uh, Domination by Morbid Angel uh, okay. This is one of their I mean if you ask people who are Morbid Angel stands or they love death metal uh, I don't know if they would agree that this album's underrated but I personally do
0: um, when it, you look at the is it the album? Um,
1: it's domination. A, yeah. It's or called is domination. It... Okay, all right. Um, so. and the reason I say that is because you look back. You know, blessed are the sick. Altars of madness. Covenant. Like Covenant. those are really. Yeah. And then uh, later after. Um, uh, oh my God! I'm like uh, Greg. Greg Vincent, George. Vin- I think Greg Vincent. They're their man. That, yeah, it was uh
0: Vincent. D- David, wanna, David Vincent. David, David Vincent. I, I almost said Vincent Price. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Totally. Uh... <laughs> that that that's an alternate universe. I want to Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, that reminds
1: me of uh, John Hamm was uh, on a he was a, a co-hosted or he guest-hosted SNL at one point and they had uh, like a, a a vintage Halloween sketch and he did a Vincent Price. Uh, oh, was, I, I, I thought you were
0: going to bring up the uh, the Michael Bublé John Hamm collaboration. Bubbly no, Hamm. <laughs> no, it was, no. I just it, that was just a really funny, uh, yeah, uh,
1: funny impression. But yeah. you had um, and I think Stephen Tucker. Yeah, David Minson was their original vocalist and then eventually they, um, after he left, they had a guy named Stephen Tucker who joined, and he, they released uh, "Formula's Fatal to the Flesh." Um, which, besides being great alliteration, is um, uh, it it just was like a really really great you know refresh for their career. It just mm. totally um
0: changed the trajectory of their sound. And then Vincent came back for Illidan status or whatever. Yes, and, and then like...
1: they had they, they had an, another couple albums which weren't as successful after that. And I feel like Domination for a lot of fans is kind of that middle child that. It followed some legendary death metal albums with David Vincent, and then it was followed by kind of a career refresh with um, Stephen Tucker. So it just never really got the... It doesn't get as much um, credit as it deserves, but it is really, really great grimy death metal. Some incredibly memorable riffs, some great um, great drumming too. Like the way that they blend um, all the instruments together to make some really memorable passages, especially opening tracks like they, they have some great you know blast beat riff you know fast riff patterns that like immediately once the track gets on you're hooked and they mm-hmm. find really unique ways to do it unfortunately towards the end of the album i forgot that they have these weird like midi oh. um midi instrument
0: um yeah i i I think I know what you're talking about because I think I borrowed this album from you at one point.
1: Yeah, and they have one's one is an like a, an extended intro to a song. Then oh, they have no. an, an like a regular song, and then an interlude, and then an, an outro. And it's just all like basically all of Varg's like Burzum <laughs> stuff. That's pretty much what it sounds like, and it's all like not great. <laughs> like it just it <laughs> sounds, and you know, again, it's not. That's why it reminded me as we were talking about it. It's it's partially not their fault because that's just what they had a hand at the time. That's yeah. That's probably like the but it sounds extraordinarily dated. And also, frankly, the sequencing is odd. Like it just it's a clump of random like dungeon synth stuff
0: at the end <laughs> of the album.
1: But also like a few like it kills all the
0: flow at the end. I I actually um, I I thought you were talking about for for heretic actually because I remember there was um. There's like a bunch of crap at the end of Vertic. Yes. The, that the, was their worst album until until uh, Illa <laughs> Ill- yeah, Divinum uh, Until that one came out. Yeah. yes. Because um, uh, I mean, I'm looking right that, that they have like these bonus uh, discs that have like just like fragments of guitar solos on them. I'm like, why?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't. But, I
0: just really don't know why
1: they. Yeah, I don't know why they did that either. It was yeah. really bizarre. Um, like they just had a bunch of like, random, like, drum demos and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Bef- very Bef- weird. Before Elude I... came out, that definitely was, I think, for a lot of people, considered their worst album. Just because the actual songs themselves weren't great. Uh, they were just mm. very... Um, you know, Like, I say all the time, artists that, you know, they're old guys trying to play music typically played by young people, um, but they sound like it. Yeah. You know, like, they, they specifically, it sounds like, oh, man, these guys are are really kind of grasping at straws at this point in their career, which is yeah. unfortunate. I, I,
0: you know, I gotta say, I, I'm surprised, I, I I thought you were gonna pick Patchouli Blue for, uh, for your album of the week this week. Uh, just, yeah, you know you know what, I just, I was
1: in a death metal mood and I was spinning that CD a lot. Um, yeah, hey. you know, usually I try to pick a new album, you know, my new Flame of the Week, but that one just was kicking my ass. Yeah, man, so. I, I get
0: it. I, I, I was just ready to talk about Patchouli Blue because I actually listened to it yesterday. Um, and? Uh, it, it is. It is not my album of the week. Let, let's just leave yes. it at that. Um, I'm not surprised. Well, no. So, like, it, it's a. It was a good. Like, I. I thought it was a good album. All things considered. Um, but I think since I listened to Sunset Mission, since I own Sunset Mission, I actually think that's the better record to listen to. Um, it just seems more cohesive thematically. Just you know, just kind of keeping with like that like noirish feel like feel to yeah. it though. I think Patchouli Blue has, like, some really cool moments with, uh, like, synths. Like, the, there's a lot of really cool, like, electronic playing in mm-hmm. that album. So, um, you know, credit where it's due. Uh, my album of the week, though, is uh, an artist that we talked about earlier. Uh, is Mirth Bell. Uh, because I just learned that he, uh, he and Gareth Davis came out with uh, another collaboration this year called um, Broken Landscapes. On um I think it's called Moving Furniture Records, which um the previous, they they've done a bunch of collaborations before, but uh the one that always got to me was uh this one called Atsusaku that came out uh a couple of years ago now. Uh which was one of my favorite albums of the year. Wait, definitely like one of the albums that got me into mersbau actually. Um, you know, it was just this very like just really just huge wall of noise that like it, it, it was like trying to follow like a Jackson Pollock painting almost mm. in a way d- d- just because you could pick out like these individual threads in it and sort of follow them um and so Broken Landscapes is uh actually a little bit different like instead of instead of being this 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 huge wall uh it it, it feels like it's like more of like a hybrid between that harsh noise wall and sort of what you hear on like a pulse demon where like you know you mm-hmm. sort of hear uh more individual sequences going on um it, it, it's a really interesting balance uh and the album cover is awesome I mean it, it's it, it's really if you look at it, it it's actually just the artist and the album title repeated over and over and over again and oh so it's cool so, yeah so it just makes like a sort of texture because it's that small um yeah i i'm i really i I finally listened to it yesterday it was fucking great i'm really yeah i i it's probably gonna end up somewhere in albums of the year for me because i just you know i i always look for a good like harsh noise album every year and i think this is it for me uh you know not to call it too soon but yeah it sounds really cool it was super good highly recommend it um you know maybe maybe don't listen with with other people because they they will just think you're listening to dentist drills but um (laughs) you know they teach their own so yeah super good broken landscapes go listen to it and um yeah that has been uh our episode for this week (laughs) thanks Thanks for for listening listening, as always yeah and uh we'll talk to you guys next week see ya! bye thanks for listening guys and uh if you're interested uh you know if you want to hear more just you know listen to us on uh itunes pod apple Podcasts, android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast basically uh we're on all of it uh if you follow us on anchor to you know whatever works for you and uh definitely be sure to follow us on
1: twitter and if you ever have any suggestions topics you want us to talk about or questions anything like
0: that uh, be sure to email us yeah uh, we're at at Cishore podcast on twitter and our email I think is SaySharePodcast podcast at gmail.com and uh yeah as always thanks for listening yeah appreciate it a lot bye.